Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. How's things going? Thank you for tuning in this week. <laughs> and it's our first race review, F1 race review for the year, for 2020. I think, you know, it's a significant moment, you know, that we finally crossed that bridge after so many months um, of uncertainty. And then, of course, you know, going back to March and... You know, you all know the story. <laughs> I don't need to keep repeating it to you, do I? No, no, we all know what happened. But yeah, no, F1's back properly this time. We had our first race in Austria, the uh, yeah, the Austrian Grand Prix. Such a great race, such an epic race. And I think, you know, the perfect way to F4, F1 to start in 2020, given everything that's going on, not just with um, the pandemic um and how that's pretty much changed the uh face of the championship this year but you know even the the activism going on you know with the we races one um initiative and black lives matter and everything as well which um played a significant part i thought in um the weekend's proceedings at the red bull ring um the ceremony pre-race was pretty moving i gotta say i did put out a tweet um saying i did feel a bit emotional seeing all the drivers united on the grid wearing their um shirts with end racism on there and lewis hamilton of course with black lives matter on the front and then you had the drivers um well 14 of the 20 drivers uh kneeled during the national anthem um and then there were six who did not kneel which i mean let's i'm just going to address it straight away because it did kind of divide a few people and there's been a lot of debate about it during the week about how you know it doesn't really seem like they're united if you've got you know 14 drivers kneeling and then you have six that aren't um and i'm going off what lewis hamilton has come out and said um uh, just recently you know perhaps even overnight about how you know he's grateful that the drivers who did take a knee did do that but also he has no issue with the people who didn't and Daniel Ricciardo, you would have read his quotes, I'm sure, um, about how some drivers felt uncomfortable with the with with the idea of taking a knee because of what it represents in their um, in their cultures and in their countries as well, you know. So, and I think it's a big win, regardless of the fact that um, they had the shirts on. They were all united. Um, they all came together with the GPDA to do this, you know, and the whole sport itself is united on this matter you had in big letters end racism on the side of the pit building as well which you know every time you saw a wide shot of the pit building um on the you know when you run the circuit clockwise that those images would have been beamed out to every household on the world in the world so uh that would have been watching formula one across the weekend so you know it it was yeah very moving to see that and just yeah, you know, I keep saying it, um, uh, racism is not a political issue, in fact, the way I describe it is that it's a societal cancer that has been just plaguing um, generations upon generations <laughs> of people, and it needs to it needs to end and no better time to bring this into the um into focus and really tackle it so great job on that front uh, and you know it'll be good to see their consistent um the 
consistency in the message as well and just seeing it you know every race them uh bringing this into into the four so very good there race itself well you know how do i describe it i already said it at the beginning it was a cracker of a race it was very very epic and again i almost said a said an expletive i think i've been using too much of those lately um not that i normally don't but i think a little bit more lately with um what's going on here down under i'm sure you've heard the news if you follow news um in you know if you follow world news and they talk about australia and in particular the state of victoria melbourne where i live um yeah it's not good but i'll come to that a bit later and how that impacts the uh, supercars championship because there has been a few few changes there but while we're on the subject of austria you know we're talking about austria it's the dominant part of this podcast now we're doubling down as well because we've got a second race this weekend to um, the grand prix of steiermark uh, instead of calling it austrian grand prix 2 i I like the ring of um, the grand prix of steiermark so because a few people have already said styrian grand prix sounds like you know something in the middle east um you know too close to syria you know oh is the styrian grand prix being raced in damascus one asks no sorry i don't think so you've got the wrong number there (laughs) epic start to the f1 season valtteri bottas out of the blocks comes to win the race from pole position it started off as a pretty kind of tame race with mercedes running in formation but with 10 laps to go i think that's when all hell broke loose but in between there you had quite a few storylines across the weekend um biggest one of them of course was uh red bull's multiple protests actually so it started off with uh red bull protesting the legality of the das system so the dual axis dual axis steering which mercedes revealed in testing back in you know 2001 sorry back in february it's you know not been it's not been that long since pre-season testing but yeah back in february when they did pre-season testing so at the end of the friday practice sessions uh, red bull put in a bit of a protest to get some clarity from the fia as to regards as to whether this system was considered legal or not and on the grounds of um steering or something like that it was deemed to be fine so you know whether this was red bull's attempt at trying to snuff out mercedes with with this or you know for their own clarification because they might have a system of their own in in development that they might want to bring later on in the year or perhaps even next year given that we're carrying the same cars over so that kind of dominated friday friday's headlines you know we also had the pink mercedes as well um racing point were pretty quick straight off the bat and you know i guess the way that their race ended up kind of was a bit of a disappointment considering the pace that they had but that ties back into what i said last week when i said you know, um looking at the whole year ahead given that we've got a shortened championship and also how it looks i reckon mclaren will be the team to finish fourth in the constructors championship even though they don't have the faster car compared to racing point on consistency and on how strong their drivers are they'll get the job done in that instance and they did they did because lando norris i mean this was like just a pipe dream at the start of the weekend or even after qualifying you know when he qualified fourth 
um, fourth on track and then was elevated to third because of a another protest of Red Bulls, but this time it went in their favour with Lewis Hamilton getting a penalty. Um, this was due to, in Q3, Valtteri Bottas, after setting his fastest lap, he was on his second flying lap in Q3, ended up touring the kitty litter and um, brought out the yellow flags. Now, Hamilton just behind him, still P2, needed to set a faster lap to get pole position. What happens is, initially they investigated him because he thought they thought the stewards, that is, thought that he didn't slow down sufficiently for that particular part of the track where the yellow flags were out. Um, so they dismissed that. They said, "Yeah, that's all good." And then what happened afterwards is that, or not even afterwards, twenty-four hours later, like half an hour before the race in fact there was the protest from Red Bull saying that oh well we've just got this um, new footage that we'd like to show you um, of Hamilton going through at full speed through that particular part of the track where there was a yellow flag and Red Bull's precedent I guess for this was the penalty that Max Verstappen got back in Mexico last year when again it was Bottas who ended up in the wall at the final corner and Verstappen who was on a flyer um, well in fact he did take pole position on the track um, had that stripped from him because uh, he went through that part of the track with yellow flag like the obvious thing with the Verstappen incident was that clearly in front of him there was a crashed car in the wall so, you know, when you see that, you automatically have to, or your senses um, tell you to lift off. Whereas with Hamilton, I guess Bottas was out the weeds, you might not have seen him. But it seemed very marginal anyway when you look at the footage. Um, the yellow flag and where when the yellow was triggered the on the digital screen, Hamilton was already like maybe his side of eye, eye line or his sight. His line of sight, that's that's the phrase I'm looking for. Line of sight, we love it. Um, his line of sight might have been past it because when you look at that image, in front of him, the next Marshall post where the next LED board is, it's got green. So maybe he saw that and completely ignored the one that he just went past. But at the same time, the crime was committed and the penalty was there. Where I guess everyone's beef is with this is the fact that how come the stewards didn't have access to that footage in the first place on the Saturday after qualifying, you know, instead of having to, you know, complete this rigmarole half an hour before the race and, you know, there was no official announcement either from the stewards and by the FIA until maybe 10 minutes till race start, um, but everyone pretty much figured it out when the few of the uh, journalists on site with their media centre looking down from the main grandstand to the grid saw that Red Bull were moving their gear to the second grid slot um, Verstappen qualifying third and being moved up to second and Mercedes uh, moving all their stuff down to fifth so there was a three place grid penalty handed to Hamilton for that that was all done and over with you know Hamilton basically right let's get stuck into the race Mercedes running one and two. Um, as a result, Lando Norris was elevated to third as well, having qualified fourth. So, yep, Mercedes running in formation because Max was out of the race early on. Very, very big blow, I guess, um, championship-wise. And also the expectation that everyone had that he would be able to go for the three-peat there in Austria, but did not happen. Mechanical failure for Red Bull on lap 10. Same thing 
again happened to Daniel Ricciardo in the Renault as well so you know drivers who really need points this year need results not you know for their futures or for their seats you know Ricciardo's future we already know he's off to McLaren next year but for Max with a championship on the line or so everyone seems to think that he'll be in championship contention this year having a zero next to your name is not uh, the best start and for Dan as well I guess it's more so for Renault that you know they really need to have a good year this year because yeah otherwise it's it's crunch time I said it last week and while I didn't dedicate a whole section to his greatness in Mr. Fernando Alonso why not just mention that he will be back next year the F1's biggest masochist uh, <laughs> is about to return and he's returning for Renault. So, you know, that I can talk about, dedicate a whole other podcast on its own to talk about Alonso and everything. And I guess, rightly so, there's a lot of people outraged with this decision for him to for him to return, especially to a team like Renault, who, you know, they are not in that championship winning or race winning form that you would expect Alonso to want after the the trying years that he had with McLaren and then pretty much said yeah I wouldn't return to F1 if it wasn't if I didn't have a a race winning car you know Red Bull Ferrari Mercedes they all don't want him so Renault as well with its own academy of drivers as well it's a big uh, finger at them too like you know we spent all this money on training these young drivers and wanting to bring them through but you've gone and got a guy who might be past his best buy date in f1 we don't know you know if you want to trust what flavio briatori says if you if you really want to trust anything he says um he says that alonso's detoxed and uh ready to get back to racing he said that last year so who knows but yeah again alonso just wherever he goes as far as formula one is concerned it it kind of turns toxic but um wait and see anyway so ricardo yeah not a good result there for renault and for them, in general, Renault, not a good result. Um, then more reliability problems. And, you know, it kind of isn't surprising when you've had these cars just sitting idle for, for months and months and months not racing. Uh, but there was so much chaos that, you know, perhaps more than expected, which was which was good, which was the surprise. So you had Lance Stroll then um, with concerns about uh his gearbox sensor and then ultimately it failed and he had to retire and it was a shame because stroll was racing pretty strongly he was racing against the likes of vettel who only qualified not second (laughs) what century am i talking about ha 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 um vettel only qualified 11th uh he was fighting him and also uh another fast car as well how silly of me that I don't remember. Um, yeah, so Stroll was racing really well early on. And, you know, again, I said last week that it's going to be important year for him as well to prove in a car that is already proven that it's competitive to be able to get those results. And this is where I still think McLaren will beat them is because their drivers can get the results, whereas Racing Point, it is a bit iffy. So, stroll out of the race early too but those concerns that racing point had with the gearbox sensors were something that mercedes then were concerned about because obviously they supply gearbox and engine to them or power unit um and given how ferocious the curbs are there in austria basically like having piranhas on the side of the track 
Mercedes pretty much told their guys for the rest of the race, stay off the curbs, stay off the curbs, stay off the curbs, because the same thing might happen. That's how fragile they're, that they've built these power units and these gearboxes that the more abuse you put them through like that, you know, and it's pretty, pretty heavy abuse, it's just gonna, it's just gonna destroy itself, so Mercedes kind of having to manage their race later on, um, but that's when the chaos began, that's when it became really fun, you had Kevin Magnussen on lap 26 losing his brakes, fighting uh, Esteban Ocon into turn 3, safety car came out, um, uh, Magnussen was okay, but a disappointing start for Haas, um, you had, after the restart, uh, you had the Sorry, during the safety car, you had the top 10 pit uh, as well, crucial. Then after the safety car restart, you had Seb spinning at turn three while trying to pass Carlos Sainz. Um, And I'm sure everyone at that moment thought one thing, if you've kept up to date with uh, this Reddit user Alpha Max Nova and the videos that uh, he creates after every race or has done since last year, then yeah, it was a... All you could hear in that moment was Spinala. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that he did a little video after the Grand Prix as well as a review. Say the line, Bart! That was uh, that was in there. So, Seb, again, you could talk on a whole other podcast about that too. His mistake and <laughs> just all weekend is... You know, complaining about how the car is a dog, um, a prancing mule, let's call it, because it is pretty much that kind of car. But you think back to when Alonso had that car or that kind of car when he was at Ferrari 2012 and he was able to take it to a championship. I'm not saying that, you know, Alonso's any better than Vettel in certain areas, but it's just, yeah, is this, you know, a guy that's beyond it as well you know now with Alonso taking the seat at Renault what are the options for for Seb to stay in F1 next year it's it's looking pretty slim so and that spin of course doesn't help either it didn't help Carlos Sainz's race either um kind of just consigned to the bottom half of the top 10 um but you know still had some solid points on the table for him I think he ended up finishing fifth in the end, so that actually was a solid result. <laughs> Apologies, getting all my results crossed up for a second, looking back at last year's race almost. Um, so, strong result there for Science. Alex Albon, having a bit of a lonely race in P3 early on. Uh, you had Checo, Checo Perez, Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc all running together. Um, weird that you mentioned Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari fighting a racing point in the McLaren, but that's the reality of the situation for Ferrari. Um, Albon looking pretty nestled there in P3, but then, but then, trouble strikes, because on lap 51 we had Roman Grosjean out with brakes too, and George Russell having problems at the same time, it was all happening, you know, they were all dropping like flies, and then we had a second safety car come out, and this is where we kind of started rubbing our hands, because we're like, okay, Mercedes are having problems at the front, you know, with their gearboxes and the cars are going to shake themselves to death. Albon, he comes in, pits for soft tyres. Not new soft tyres, but some old soft tyres. Regardless, they're quicker tyres than what Mercedes are on with their old mediums. Um, he was going to have a crack at those cars out the front. 
we had the safety car restart, lap 55. He was looking very strong, Albon. He was able to pass Perez going into turn three, but had to hand that position back, or so he thought, because another safety car came out straight away because Kimi Raikkonen lost his front right wheel. You know, that wheel kind of ended up in the meadows somewhere. Thankfully, there was no, I guess, one thing about no crowds or, you know, very reduced people on site is that no one got injured. You know, you sometimes you see these, or you, we have seen cases where these wheels go flying and, and hit people. You think of the Marshall here at the Australian Grand Prix all those years ago, unfortunately, um, uh, being killed as a result of it. So, yeah, you don't want to see stuff like that. And, of course, the Alfa Romeo team copped a €5,000 fine as well for that um, for that incident, not uh, attaching the wheel properly. So that was, a you know, Kimi's race was going pretty rotten anyway so you know he would have been happy to finish for the day not in that you know not in that style but yeah it was kind of all over for him there was good though his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi was able to score points same place he scored his first points in Formula 1 last year got P9 so good result for Giovinazzi um the stewards then had a kind word to uh, Red Bull and Albon and said, look, you know, you did pass Perez before the safety car came out, so you can get that position back. Nobody told Perez, though. <laughs> but eventually they did um, switch the positions. Then we had our third restart for the race on lap 61. Albon, looking very quick, got a good, better getaway than Hamilton. Took a crack at him going into turn four, but... As it was in Brazil, there was contact between the two and Albon ended off. Uh, and it was just like, oh, was it going to happen? Was it going to happen? And it did, unfortunately. And at the time, I said it was a racing incident. In the moment when it happened, uh, Albon, well, Hamilton did have the racing line going into the corner. Um, he probably didn't leave as much space as he should have to to our four Albon who took the outside to try and get past but um, in the end it was Hamilton who copped the five second penalty I do understand that but at the same time I would have also understood if they hadn't given him a penalty either but you know at the same time at the same time um, you do feel for Albon because this is the second time in three races this has happened with with Hamilton in particular but also you know some people are of that um mentality that oh you know Albon's just got to calm it down a little bit he's got to be a bit more patient with the way he attacks and everything but you know in Brazil it was a defensive move for Albon so um and this time he was in the offensive so you know I reckon we'll see that improve from him this year you know he is still he's only just done one full season of F1 and now obviously with Red Bull the expectation is higher but yeah, I reckon we'll see Albon mature more. So, if there was a if there wasn't a penalty, I wouldn't have complained. Um, but there was a penalty. Doesn't bring back the result for Albon. Either he ended up finishing outside the points. I think he was still classified, even though it was a DNF. Um, and as a result, no points for Red Bull for the weekend. So that's a, a rotten way for them to start the year, and also at their home track too. So Hamilton, I guess, was able to. Or he did apologise after the race and everything. And, you know, obviously there was no malicious intent in his move. 
but at the same time, you know, once it's done, it's done, you know, his race has been ruined, and, um, you know, there's not much consolation in that, especially when your rival goes to score points at the end of the day, too. This then kind of brought a few other contenders into play, so we had the Hamilton five-second penalty to con- to contend with, you had Charles Leclerc also in that time that Albon stopped for the soft tyre come in for the medium tyre, he looked stronger than Sergio Perez, he looked stronger than Lando Norris as well, he was able to just fly past them under the radar, like I, when while I was doing the live blog, I'm like, eh, where did Leclerc come from? He just popped out of nowhere and here he is, P2, um, when you take the Hamilton penalty into account, so Leclerc popped himself into P2, then there was a penalty dished out to Perez as well, which, you know, to make matters worse for Racing Point, when, you know, they were on track for a podium in their first race as the pink Mercedes, um, he got a five-second penalty as well for for speeding in the pit lane, so that was a bit of a, a rotten way for them to end their weekend too, so that is how Lando Norris ended up on the podium, but, you know, it wasn't as easy as I say it is. He had to, you know, put in one of those epic final laps as well, set the race lap record, He, you know, to get the gap under five seconds. And at that moment, he went from Twitch streamer full-time to a F1 podium sitter, in his own words, of course. And, you know, when you think about that, you have a bit of a giggle um, at someone who, you know, full-time Twitch streamer, playing video games, and now he's sitting on an F1 podium, yeah, pretty good, pretty good, but in all honesty, for McLaren, second podium in three races, similar circumstances to Brazil, but they had the pace, they had the pace, and it's going to be a tough fight with Racing Point all year, but the fact that they've got the points early is great, and also congratulations to Norris too, because third youngest driver on the F1 podium, And I think, you know, I've got to, like, mentally take a screenshot of this, of the Constructors' Championship table. (laughs) Because McLaren is sitting second at the moment, you know, which is something I haven't seen for for many years now. 2014 was the last time um, that they were in that position. Of course, that was after the first race as well in Australia when they ended up both on the podium, uh, Kevin Magnussen and Jensen Button. that was because Ricardo was disqualified. Still a bit bitter about that one, of course, you know, because we still haven't had an Aussie driver on the podium at the Australian Grand Prix, but oh well, we'll just have to wait till next time. That's just the way it is. Good song, by the way, um, by Tupac. <laughs> very, very poignant in these times. Um, yeah, so that was your top three. Bottas, flawless race from him. There was talk towards the end of the race where the Mercedes might, you know, enforce some team orders, switch the positions or something, even though Hamilton was getting the penalty, but just to protect his podium spot. Didn't end up happening, which I think is really good because I'm expecting that Bottas is going to be more in the fight this year for the championship. And given given the circumstances, why not a better time to do it, because again, he's on a one-year deal, Um, talk about Vettel coming to the team, although I don't think so, but stranger things have happened, so why not prove your worth, you know, why not get the better of Hamilton and, and try and win, even though I think it will be very difficult. Other results um, as well in the top 10, you can point out Seb and his prancing mule, P10, probably the best was going to happen 
and quickly as well while we're talk while we're talking about it, why not just we'll go into it a little bit. The engine last year, I think <laughs> the performance that we're seeing from Ferrari this year already kind of hints, you know, further to the fact that there was probably something going on dodgy with their power unit last year because we're not seeing that same pace that we saw in qualifying. You know, if anything, they're not even turning turning their engines up in qualifying anymore, which is um, very, very disheartening, I guess, if you're a Ferrari fan. Uh, whatever, Ferrari fans. Um, if, you, if you are a Ferrari fan, because we they were taking bold positions left, right and centre, but it's always going to be known that it was with an illegal engine, whether the FIA don't want, want to share that or not. So the fact that, you know, aero-wise as well, the car just seems compromised everywhere, it's it's going to be a tough, tough year. Going to be a tough year. Highlights to Esteban Ocon on, the, on his return, scored some points in P8, so good, good results for him, and I'm sure there was a lot of people excited to see him come back. His fellow Frenchman, Pierre Gasly, 7th, as well, good solid start for to Alpha Tauri. Not the same um, can be said about Danny Fiat. Bit of a dogged race for him, but he's proven that he's going to be strong as well. And Nicholas Latifi, P11. You know, there was a, there was a point in the race where, given how quickly these drivers were dropping out um, of the race, <laughs> that I'm like, what if Latifi scores on his debut? Wouldn't that be a big you know, stuff you to all the haters out there. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm, you know, a, a Latifi fan or a fanboy or anything like that, but I think, you know, we should not be as harsh on him that, than what people are. You know, I think I've seen worse pay drivers come and go through the years. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be critical on pay drivers, don't just focus on, on the ones that are at the back of the grid because Sergio Perez is still a pay driver, whether you want to admit it or not, um, and that's no, and that's the whole thing, you know, with pay drivers, is that it's become such a derogatory term that I think, you know, the ones who do really well don't get the credit they deserve, kind of thing, um, you know, and Latifi, yeah, you know, let him prove his worth before judging, you know, unless you're the kind of people who need someone to beat up on, but in that case, you've got so many other drivers out there that, that you could do that to, so yeah, no, Latifi, it would have been something if he scored on his debut, but I think just staying out of trouble, um, it was a bit dicey during practice, but during the race, his first Grand Prix, staying out of trouble, not damaging the car, bringing it home, I think that was the main thing, and he accomplished that, he ticked that box, so there you go, you know, he, he was F2 champion after all last year, and as I said last week, he, he had some good competition there, you know, Nick DeVries, Mercedes Formula E driver, he's no slouch, so the fact that he was able to beat him is something, and you know, even guys like Alex Albon say that um, Latifi is such an underrated driver, so yeah, like, you know, it just people who pick on easy scapegoats, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 <laughs> and again, uh, Giovinazzi in P9 um, for Alfa Romeo, and quickly just looking at the points table as well, not that it matters much after the first race, but for the guys who have kind of got off on a bad, you know, got off with a bad start, you could say Red Bull definitely the worst in that situation um, with Zip 
you know they're going to have to bounce back in the second this weekend in Austria again Williams if anything of the teams that are on zero points at the moment that the most concerned I would be would the most concern I would be for a team is the Haas team because they just it just looked horrible for them all weekend. There's no better way to sum it up. Um, Williams, if anything, you know, George Russell was on it. He looked quicker than he did last year here. Obviously, he's had a full year under his belt as well, and I think the confidence that he's taken from winning the eSports Championship as well is going to be big. He seems to be more recognised now as well, and it's good that all the Brits and other fans are getting behind him so I think you know Williams won't be too far off getting off the uh, the donut and Red Bull of course should bounce back this weekend but again you know in that midfield battle McLaren getting a solid chunk of points ahead of racing point to begin with is crucial and where do Ferrari sit in that instance as well in comparison to likes of racing point McLaren you know do they slip back that far you'd hope not you would definitely not hope not in that instance and while we're talking about the whole weekend, the first weekend back of school and F1 and everything, um, F2 and F3 championships as well worth taking note of as well. And I did briefly mention F3 last week because got four Aussies on the grid this year and so proud of them flying the flag and everything. And one of them did win, you know, Oscar Piastri with a dominant win on uh, Saturday's feature race. Alex Peroni also featuring on the podium as well, his first podium in F3. And it was the first time we've seen him on track in F3 since he had that um, horrible accident in Monza last year where he did get airborne. He was following in the footsteps of Mark Webber, you could say. And I say that with tongue-in-cheek, but I'm glad that the boy was okay. So, And good to see him on the podium as well with Piastri. So good result for those guys. And then it would be remiss of me not to not to give a shout out to the Kiwis as well because we are brothers in arms after all, the Antipodeans, um, the Anzacs. Uh, <laughs> so Liam Lawson winning the reverse grid race on Sunday. Good on him. I'm sure Dino would be happy as well from the region podcast. Shout out to you there, buddy. Um, although I think, you know, Bottas winning would be enough to keep him in raptures for the rest of the week <laughs> as well. So, and yeah, another great podcast from those guys this week as well so get get on to that and then in f2 you had Callum Eilat winning his maiden race in there in the feature race and then Brazil's next rising star Felipe Drugovic in the sprint race on Saturday uh, reverse grid race winning that so maybe he's one to keep an eye on for sure as well and you know while I mentioned Fernando Alonso before and the kind of what do you call it, you know, the disappointment that Renault haven't gone for someone internal, someone in their Young Driver Academy to promote to the fore. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, the, um, the Chinese driver, he was on pole position, but, you know, I guess during the race result, the DNF. But he'll be a driver to watch as well throughout the year. So exciting, you know, with... Um, the junior formulas being there for all the races that they've scheduled so far um and you know given the depth of talent i think there'll be ones to watch um a bit more closely this year than i have in previous years so moving it on then uh grand prix of steiermark not much to say as far as previewing the weekend goes it's kind of same 
same same as last weekend but maybe not in certain instances of course the big question will be whether Mercedes have addressed their sensor issues um, whether they're going to have the same issues this time round are they going to be more cautious what's going to happen um, free practice sessions as well you know if they're dry which it looks like it will be there was a bit of um rain forecast that's kind of moved to saturday so we could see some rain shake up qualifying uh which will be interesting as well but as far as you know practice running is concerned for some of the guys who are a bit more confident in the dry maybe they might elect to sit out who knows because we still don't know how many power units the teams are getting per car for the season given that we don't know how many races there will be exactly so save mileage on those as well might be something especially in these weekends where we've got two races at the same venue we don't know but the rain on Saturday should be exciting Red Bull obviously with the opportunity to bounce back Albon does he want vengeance (laughs) maybe (laughs) he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who you know would uh, turn into the Hulk or anything like that but um he would want to get some pride back I'm sure and I do still think he'll he'll finish on the podium this year I'm not sure about race wins but podium definitely is on the cards for him and also Ferrari fast tracking some of their updates to address uh, to address their lack of pace at this circuit too so they originally had all their updates planned for Hungary but they're able to have fast track some to bring them this weekend so let's see where that puts them of course you know every time Ferrari bring an update it seems they go go in the other direction it goes backwards it is it, it uh, you know it's it it's a joke it, it unfortunately is a joke but hey you know you want to beat up um a, a long-suffering mclaren fan up until now you know given that how much pain we went through during the honda years and all people that stayed loyal stayed with the team and everything but uh yeah um bit of comeuppance there in a way anyway we'll move it on pink mercedes they did confirm their pace and as i said you know mclaren were the ones who delivered the goods but it's going to have to be a consistent thing and then racing point of course are going to have to bounce back this weekend to to be able to assert themselves in that way and renault still behind and their reliability looks no better just going to leave it at that uh we will see some junior drivers jump in or a junior driver jump in robert kubitzer isn't really a junior driver anymore is he um he'll be jumping in the alfa romeo for fp1 which would be good to see and uh, jack aitken making his uh grand prix weekend debut with williams he did it with renault of course i think last year maybe i'm not too sure i'm sure someone will pull me up for it whatever um, yeah, he'll be making his FP1 debut with Williams uh, for FP1 as well. I said FP1 twice there, I think. It's been a long day. And again, I've come back to recording on a Thursday thinking, you know, it'd be, it'd be better, but it's after work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it does all kind of mesh into one. Yes, so Jack Aid can be good to see him. As far as predictions are concerned... You know, given what we saw from Mercedes, unless they have some major issues, I don't think we'll see anyone other than them win. Temperatures are going to be a lot cooler on the Sunday as well at the moment. You know, so if it was any hotter, then you would be a bit concerned. So I think we might be on for another Mercedes 1-2. Hamilton obviously will have a lot um, to say about what happened 
on the first weekend, so he might be out with a bit of vengeance instead of Albin and be able to, to get the better of his teammate, but we did see Bottas pretty strong, so, you know, we might see a fight from those two, uh, which would be good, and then everything else, you know, Ferrari with Leclerc kind of lucked into that podium, you got to say, so, you know, expect Verstappen and uh, maybe the racing points to be up there, um, unless, you know, McLaren, of course, can take advantage again of any mistakes out the front, so there's that, and yeah, I finally paid a bit more attention to the F1 fantasy leagues as well, so I joined quite a few leagues, of course, for all the uh, the Twitter community, the podcast community, um, who've set up leagues, and they posted their things, uh, their league codes, and said, come and join everybody, you know, we all want to do this together, and, you know, I did, and I think, um, copy that mate with, uh, Ben gave us a shout out, or he read off the top five, um, <laughs> on his show this week, and, uh, again, good show, he did it on his own, which is great as well, um, his host's engaged with other matters his co-hosts i should say um and apparently i'm sitting fifth or something in that league so that's that's a bit that's a win for me you know for someone who doesn't really pay attention to f1 fantasy as much you know i seem to take all or invest all my energy into nrl supercoach you know i'm just studying the sheets uh, spreadsheets and all the tips and all that uh, every day, you know, when team list comes out on Tuesday, it's like, right, who am I trading out, who am I putting in, who do I move to where, who's going to be captain, vice-captain, all that sort of stuff, break-evens and all this boring stuff, I have to pull the abacus out to count, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I will hopefully pay more attention to F1 Fantasy League this year because of all the people involved, and you know, they're doing a great job they've done a great job to set up all these leagues and engage everyone so yippee so finishing off uh where i kind of began or kind of hinted at with um an update on the supercars championship and what is going on here down under um particularly in victoria the state of victoria that is um second wave it's it's getting worse uh you know i'm glad touchwood you know the the rate of mortality, sorry, the rate of fatality, uh, uh, (laughs) bloody hell, um, yeah, the death rate has not been as, you know, bad as other countries, and what's going on, you know, say, United States, for example, um, and again, shout out to, to all the, my podcasting mates over there in the States, always, uh, wishing for all the best for you guys, and everything over there, but, the fact that, you know, we've kind of let these infections spike and everything is just, that's a whole separate argument, which I could go on, you know, and people have heard me rant about it enough as well, people not doing the right thing, but the unthinkable happened when the border between New South Wales and Victoria, which has, hasn't closed for something like a hundred years or something, a long, long time, you know, you didn't think it would happen, and it didn't happen initially when, you know, the we had the first outbreak, and states such as South Australia, West Australia, Queensland, they all shut their borders, but New South Wales and Victoria remained open, that closed as of Monday, 11.59pm, um, as for the state of Victoria, we've gone into another six-week lockdown, so stage three restrictions, where you can only leave your home for essential services, whether it's um, grocery shopping, uh, work, 
which you know I'm I'm still regarded as an essential worker, so must um, <laughs> you know take the train and all that sort of stuff. I do I do wear a mask and everything. I got some cool masks actually, because you know if we're gonna do this mask jazz, I'm gonna do it in style. <laughs> and again, I'm saying please get some branded uh, race team masks out. You know from F1, I would totally jump on it. But I have seen Valentino Rossi has done some, which you know if international postage wasn't costing an arm and a leg I would definitely be able to get some um hopefully one of the local stockists here be able to pick them up or something that would be good and Williams I think are doing some for charity which is exciting too but um I would like those McLaren ones actually you know with the Wii Races one on them as well (laughs) um yeah so border closed with New South Wales um Victoria, all of Victoria, or metropolitan Melbourne, I should say, which is pretty much everything, has gone into another six-week lockdown, um, only allowed out of home for essential bits and pieces, work, yes, I'm still working, but in relation to supercars, this forced the teams based in Melbourne, the drivers based in Melbourne, to scramble, basically, before the border closed um, on you know, I think it was, yeah, Monday, 11.59 p.m., so basically they had to make a dash, um, it's about, like, I think, four, five-hour drive to Albury-Wodonga, where the border between New South Wales and Victoria is the quickest way, obviously, to get there, Hume Highway, um, so you had teams like Tickford, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, Erebus, Team 18, and Kelly Racing, they're based here in Melbourne, um kelly's i think were able to move everything to their farm or to the kelly family farm out in mildura but they would have had to have crossed over into new south wales because of the uh patrol and police and everything they've got drones and all that sort of stuff you know it's basically it's some it's some apocalyptic you know type of stuff going on with 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 the border patrol and everything and even in the suburbs that they locked down last week um they had um, police checks and everything, you know, um, between when you drive between suburbs, it's, it's, it's crazy what's going on, but good to see that they, sorry, good to see that those teams are able to get out, obviously, with the, with a complete unknown as to when they'll be able to return, you know, so they basically packed what they could, you know, the drivers brought with them their families, if possible, as well, they're going to be based out of Sydney um, for at least six weeks, you got to say, at least six weeks, which is a long time to be spending away from home, and uh, particularly when you're racing in a championship as well, you know, to not have your, you know, to not be able to spend the time home, it's an ultimate sacrifice that they've made um, to be able to continue racing, and that is something I acknowledge and have the absolute highest praise for, and just in general, you know, we, we all need a bit of uplifting around here at the moment, um, you know, thoughts uh, with the people locked down in the in the housing flats as well, you know, that's that's a whole other terrible situation that's going on, and a lot of people, a few people I know are trying to help, um, help inside, or help from the outside by delivering supplies and all that as well, which is going to be important, but, um, some strange times, some, some tough times indeed, and, uh, back into 
back into isolation in a way um, even though I'm, I'm working but I'm working with only one other person so this one person is basically the only person I will you know be able to interact with with for the next six weeks or so I can't have anyone come over and none of my friends can I can't see any of my friends either so yeah it's back to how it was but it'll be good I guess for supercars they'll be able to do their race um, at Sydney Motorsport Park their second event next weekend um, bit of question as well around Queensland now saying that they're not they're not letting any Victorian in whatsoever even if they will quarantine it's not going to happen so that kind of puts into jeopardy the event in Townsville which is going to happen in August as well so the possibility of running you know back-to-back races in Darwin for example but then also getting to Darwin you have to go via Queensland so or you know take a very very longer route if you want to open up a map of Australia and have a look take the longer route to get there which you know it's it's a whole other challenge but um you know it's yeah hard to put into words but it's happening anyway that's about it though guys um, thank you again for tuning in write to me if you if you want on um, Twitter at hit the apex media I'll be around I'll be doing some tweeting over the weekend during the F1 sessions um, and uh, the live blog as always will be up as well had some really good feedback on that um, for the first race so hopefully we have a equally exciting second race to be able to to get the same feedback on the live blog so that's on the raw.com.au other than that all i can say stay safe guys stay kind to each other and um hope you enjoy second week in a row of formula one until next time see ya